about you all, but Roger's been going through, oh, excuse me, the life of Joseph, and um, man, it's just been so good for me, because I, not that I've been in a pit like Joseph, or thrown in jail, or any of those kind of things, but uh, I was thinking as if we were singing that last song, and thank you, Paul, it just spoke to my heart. Because that's what I've been praying all week. Um, usually I kind of had of a, an agenda in my heart, especially now since I don't preach much anymore. I have plenty of time to think about it. And this week I just kind of opened up my heart and said, Lord, help me to just lift you up. So it started this week with that and, and with the music today. You know, good worship leads to good obedience with which leads to just thanking God for everything He's done for us. And I was sitting in the, or standing in the back and looking around at friends, people that I've known a long time, some I've been in ministry with, some of you that I've just met, but I'm sure all of you have been in the pit, but I was just thinking about how many people here have, as Christians have lost either children, husbands, mothers, fathers, dads that I've known. I've been to their funerals, officiated some of them. and But yet I look and I see them in here this morning and they're saying, God, you are still worthy. And I think, I just, boy, that just takes more than what we have in us. That takes the Holy Spirit walking in our lives every day and even when we don't understand what's going on, and we're at the lowest point, haven't some of you just felt you know God's picked you up and carried you through those? I, I mean, and if it wasn't for that, I look at myself sometimes I'm so pitiful and wretched and unworthy, and yet somehow He, he continues to love Every single one of us. Sorry, as I get older, I get just more misty-eyed. It's just a, wow. Yeah, yeah. it's just, it, you know, not only do I hurt when I get up. Uh, Brenda, the other day, I'm, I'm putting on my clothes, and she's like, you okay in there? And every time I bend over to put my socks on or my britches on, or I'm groaning anymore, and... I'm like, golly, Lord, I, I'm thankful I'm 63, but uh, I, was watch, I was listening to the football game yesterday, which maybe some of you were, and I don't mean to lift up football over any other sport, but I only ran track and played football. So, you know, the Pleasant Hill Roosters, first time since 1975, they're going into the quarterfinals. and Some of us were on that 75 team, right, Al? Now, all I did back then was uh, return punts and kicks. I wasn't a starter, but it was a blessing to be on that. But I think about all, last, we went to last Friday night's game, and all the kids that were getting recognized cross-country, uh, our, our ladies' volleyball team, I, I think about, and I love sports, I really do, and I think about, wow, just how far we've come in Pleasant Hill, because when... I was going through school, we just didn't, I don't know, we, we did okay at stuff, but how, and don't we enjoy that? I mean, I really enjoy watching these kids thrive, but you know what, compared to the big picture of Christ, I just wish I could get as excited every day about Christ sometimes as I do about these little things, because you know, we were listening on the radio and and when they won, I'm like, yeah. And when, I don't know how many of you know Ashley Beck. Most of you do, right? I'm not, both her girls and her boy, she shares everything on Facebook. And uh, I'm like, boy, this is neat. I do, I do like Facebook for that. Now, there's other things about it that they get a little bit aggravating. But uh, I, I look at that and I like, I like celebrating with them and, and with our kids and what they accomplished. So, I said all that to say this. When I was preparing for this message, I thought, well, let's just go to Hebrews chapter 11 and let's look at some of those faith heroes. Remember in Hebrews 11? 
starts out at the very beginning in Genesis, and that's where we're going to kind of start, but we're going to go some other places too. And I was thinking about that, and I thought, what would be the most important thing to me if, if I had young children or grandchildren or friends, and as we're looking at Joseph, what, what are you getting from that? You're getting personal stuff, but still, what's the most important thing to me, and this has always driven me, uh, is saving faith. What, what's the difference between Joseph and the rest? What's the difference between all those hero, heroes we talk about in, in Hebrews chapter 11? It's their saving faith. I know at least three or four of us in here that our children have went on, they're in heaven before us right now. And I remember years ago when I retired from the military, came to this church, they asked me, I never, I'm going to be honest, never wanted to work with youth, but I had two youth. And all of a sudden, I find myself as a youth pastor, and I was scared to death. Now, if you know my wife, that was right up her alley. She didn't have any problems with it. My kids didn't have any problems with it. But I was scared because I'm like, how am I going to relate to these youth? I, I just don't want to be bothered by all this stuff. And then through Christ, you, you, you won't believe what will happen. I fell in love and still am in love with every youth I ministered to. Now, I have to admit, not all of them are following the Lord like I would like and like most of you would like, but I got to thinking, what drove me even in that and even in other passions? It really is so that people would be saved and they'd have a saving faith. I want them to know the kind of faith that Joseph had, the kind of faith that Abraham had, the kind of faith that Isaac had, the kind of faith that Jacob, and we're going to look at him. Well, what a what an honorary fellow Jacob was, and that was Joseph's father. Joseph was actually the best of almost all those that we find in Hebrews 11. He's the most Christ type, or you know what I mean? You can parallel his life with Christ. But all those, I'd say what drives me all the time is I want people to know and have a saving faith one that's true, and today I see so many things about, they say they're a man and a woman of faith. And I always go, finish that. Faith in what? You can have faith in Buddha, but he doesn't save you. You can have faith in the God of Islam, but I'm telling you, friends, that God is not the God of of the Bible, and faith in Him doesn't save you. You can have faith in what all these cults have faith in, and they call Him Jesus, but it's not the Jesus of the Bible. And if we don't have faith in this very Jesus, and all the patriarchs had that kind of faith, it won't save them. So I want to start in the beginning something that we just, oh, you hear it at this church, I'm telling you. One reason why we keep coming and I joined is your pastor preached the gospel almost every single Sunday. If you don't hear it in there, listen, it'll be even in Joseph's and that's so refreshing because the gospel is what saves. It's the good news, but you know what? People today that aren't believers, not just today, through eternity have been offended by the, the, the naked truth of the gospel. Even the religious people of Jesus' time, they hated Jesus for the gospel truth. He told them the truth. Go through the gospels. You want to know what Jesus is like? Go through it. He's all the time telling them, you want to know the truth? This is the truth. The truth will set you free, but they didn't want to know the truth. And they didn't want to know the truth about themselves, that they were extremely religious, but far from God. And I don't know about you, I don't want that. Actually, if, it's, if I'm going to be honest, I've always had a little bit of an issue with organized religion. Please don't take me wrong. 
God tells us in Hebrews, do not forsake the gathering ourselves with one another. We need to be with other Christians. And I'll tell you something, if times get much harder, we're going to need each other. We're going to need each other more than just me preaching or Roger preaching or me teaching you something. We're going to really need each other. That's why I've chosen to stay in my hometown and worship. Even everyone knows the good, the bad, and the ugly of me. I'm still going to stay here. Because, yeah, when I was a kid, I was a little ornery fart. That's probably not, sorry, Lord, that's probably not what I should have said there, but I was... Because I remember when I, was, I started preaching, I can't tell you how many people I heard it. And in Pleasant Hill, you heard it through the grapevine. And it was like, I will never go to that guy's church because I knew him when he was a kid. And I don't blame you. I don't blame you at all. But I'm truly not the same person. Now, I still struggle with the same stuff. I still struggle with pride arrogance at times and 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 just thinking I'm too much and I think sometimes I definitely struggle in the fact that I just don't 100% realize how much I need the Lord every single day especially when things are going good that's why I loved last week when Roger finished. He said, you know, in, remember, in the pit builds character, but blessings what? Reveal character. And I think in America today we're seeing that. Well, I was talking just this week to somebody, and they said, gosh, we have churches going up all over. Praise God. I'm like, well, if every one of them was preaching the gospel, preaching the Jesus of the Bible, I'm telling you, we wouldn't be in the problems we are today. There has, and I don't know nothing about other churches. I'm not telling you which ones are good, which ones are bad, but I do know the ones that are good, that are relying on the saving grace of Jesus Christ our Lord, and that's where we set our feet, and that's where we stand and stand alone on His blood. So I came to this verse before we even go to Hebrews. This is an odd verse God left, led me to, so bear with me. It's found in Philippians, and I know I should have all this up on the screen, but I just, I, I don't know how to do all that stuff. And Paul told me, well, just give it to us, and we'll put it up there. Well, next time I'll try to do that, if there's a next time. In Philippians 2.12, it says, Therefore, my dear friends, Paul's writing, it says, As... You have always obeyed, listen to this, saving faith has obedience in it, right? We've got to agree with that. Not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence. That shows character. What do you do when you're not around people? What do you do, seriously, when you're by yourself? Today, and I talk, I hope, Lord, I hope this isn't too much. I talk to men all the time. What do you do, guys, when you get on your computer and no one else is around? What are you looking at on your phone? Because there's stuff there all the time entering through that eye gate that we should just be, just be throwing out of our life. So Paul says, even in my absence, continue, listen to this. I think this, this speaks to me. Continue to work out your salvation, saving faith, with fear and trembling. Now, don't get me wrong. My God has been so patient with me and He is so patient with you. If you read the Bible, God is so patient. It, it's, it's just unbelievable how patient God is with, with each and every one of us. But, there comes a time when you have saving faith. This is an important thing. We need to continue to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. Not the kind of fear that you... I don't know if any of you had an abusive father. I did not. I had a very loving father. But if you had an abusive father, I could see where you might get this wrong. A kind of father that would beat you and intimidate you or whatever. That's not our Heavenly Father. 
Our Heavenly Father is the kind of Father that when you're lost and He sees you coming, He doesn't say anything but run out to you and greet you and say, Oh, thank you, my son's back. You guys know the parable? That's our Father. So I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about a reverent fear that knows that God is all-powerful, all-knowing. He created... Friends, when me and Brenda go out in the hot tub every once in a while, and we set out and we look at the stars, and lately we've been, I guess it, we figured out it's a satellite. It goes this big bright thing over in the, where would it be? It would be over this way. So it would be over in the east, and we keep saying, what is that? And I think we figured out it's a satellite. But we look out there, and I think everything, think about this, God The only true God created all the whole universe. This is where we start in saving faith. You need to understand that God created everything we see from nothing. He spoke it into existence. Every single minute particle in the whole universe He created. Now, I believe He created it for us to look at and go, Wow, that is a God above all gods. Now, if that doesn't get you, spend some time in nature and look at the things around us. And I go away saying, wow. And you know what? Nature around us is flawed because sin has entered into this world and it's flawed, but yet we can still see not only the goodness, but the, the unbelievable awesomeness of God. Now, I'm going to read the rest of this verse because it talks about fear and trembling. And then in verse 13, it gives me hope in Philippians because it says, For it is God who works in you to the will and to act in order to to fulfill His good purpose. Do you know when you become a Christian, you have saving faith, really the best thing we can do every morning is just don't don't worry. In this fear and trembling, I'm not saying worry. Just go to God and say, God, I really want my saving faith to come alive in my life and help it to speak to others so that they might come to a saving faith in Jesus Christ and to know that God's the one doing the work in you and me. Just just open it up. That's what Joseph did. He had to. Now, you know, Joseph didn't have much of a choice, did he? Well, yeah, he did. Because a lot of people go into pits and they, they curse God. That's the saddest thing for me as a pastor. And I've been with people, and I'm sure some of you have, and... They're, they're dying, and I, I don't get this. They're dying, and they're still cursing God. See, that's where the fear comes in. Friends, I, I'm telling you, I don't want to go to hell. I've studied heaven and hell, and you know Jesus talked more about hell than he did heaven. Because You know why? Because he doesn't want, it says, God does not any, want anyone to go there. Wasn't even created for us. It was created for the angels that rebelled in eternity past. He doesn't want anybody to go there. But it's sad when I sit in front of people and I want to pray with them and tell them about the saving faith and they just are angry and they say, I don't know, I don't want, don't talk to me about God. I talked to one man one time and I used to ride motorcycles a lot. I got another one ride a little bit now, but uh, he was in a gang, and he was a big motorcycle guy, so they thought I could witness to him. So I went over to his house, typical motorcycle gang-looking guy, rough. But, boy, that doesn't mean God can't change. God can change anybody's heart. So I thought, we'll just make a go for it. And let me tell you, when you're short and you're five foot seven, and you're going to a motorcycle gang guy, and you're going into his house, and there's knives and guns, and he's about three times taller and bigger than you, and... And rougher, I, I had to have God with me. I'm not really that brave in those kind of situations. So I'm walking in there going, God, you give me strength, you give me power here. And boy, I start talking to Jesus to this guy, and he looks me in the eyes, and he says, I'm dying, 
and I don't want God, I don't need God, I've never needed God. You can talk to me about anything but God. So I prayed, you know how you do. And God said, okay, talk to him about something else then. So I talked to him about something else. And I went out and talked to the person that asked me to come. And I said, well, he didn't really want to talk about God. And she was crying and he said, I know, but it was worth a try. And then he died three days later. And she told me, she goes, about three hours before he died, he repented to me. Yeah, that's saving faith. Now, I don't know about you guys, but there's been times when, oh God, I'm sorry for this, but I just got a minute. I've been angry with God. That's why after, <clears throat> well, something tragic happened in my life. I kept reading the book of Job. I don't know why it brought me comfort. Most of you go, goodness grief, book of Job, really? Uh, yeah, I found comfort in that. I read it probably ten times a day. But, because uh, I just didn't understand what God was doing. See, I was, I was in a bit of a pit there for a while. And uh, my precious Lord was with me all the way. Now, some of you that are young, you don't know. I uh, look at Ashley's two girls over here because I remember taking my daughter and their mama up to Kansas City Youth for Christ. You guys remember that? Any of you? And we'd go up there and the craziest two out of a thousand kids was Ashley and my daughter Angie. They'd be running, they probably don't even know, maybe they do, but it brought me such great joy to take them and then I started taking others and they'd go down front and they'd be worshiping the Lord in ways that maybe we don't understand, but I'm telling you that they were there and, and God was moving in them and it was, boy, it was fun. You just couldn't hardly not have fun with a bunch of kids that are worshiping the Lord, I'm telling you. I remember the time when Angie and Ashley, I was in the back of this little Amigo. It's a vehicle. It's not a person. And uh, we were driving. Well, I got them lost. I'm in the back. Next thing, we're in a bad part of town. I mean, it was bad. And people were all out in the street. and Kind of scary. And I had both these two teenage girls up front. Nobody could see me. So we're slowing down. We're trying to find Kansas City Youth for Christ. And the car's getting surrounded. <laughs> Ever been there? That's a little scary, yeah. And so finally, Angie's like, what do I do? I peeked my head up through there, and I'm like, get out of the way, because we're coming through. <laughs> Angie Gunder, I think Ashley let out a big loud cry, and we went right straight through. They opened the waters for us. Oh, those were good times. I didn't even mean to go there. That had nothing to do with my sermon. Oh, those were good times. Let me tell you a couple of things about saving faith, though, before we get into Hebrews 11. I know I only got a little bit of time, but I can get through this pretty quick. I, I, you know, when you study theology, there's a couple of things that saving faith is more than. Doesn't mean it doesn't include it. But today, I think we have this, this issue with saving faith and and we think it's just this or maybe just head knowledge. Saving faith, I wrote down here, is more than intellectual acknowledgement. In other words, it's more than just saying, hey, I believe in a God. For in James 2.19, it says, you believe that there is one God? Good. Even the demon, demons believe that and shudder. So just to say someone or if you know someone that says they believe in God, don't, don't automatically think that they have a saving faith. It's beyond that. Now, it does start with that because remember Romans 10.17 says, so faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So it does come through the intellect. It says for someone to know how to be saved, we have to be telling them. I hear this all the time. Live your life for Christ and people will come to Christ. You live your life for Christ, yes, but you have to understand and know the gospel. You have to know what saving faith is. You have to know the object of saving faith. 
You have to know it. You can't just live it. You have to tell it. That's what Romans says. So salvation, saving faith is more than just an intellect. It's more than just an emotional acknowledgement. Two things it's more than. Let me give you a verse, and I love this one, because so many people today choose their church because they love the music. They don't care what's going on behind the pulpit. They don't care what kind of character their leader has or the elders have or the deacons have. They, they, they only look at the music. Now listen to this in Ezekiel. Ezekiel said, my people come to you. Ezekiel, the prophet's talking here. My people come to you, and I'll put this, God, come to God as they usually do. They set before you to hear your words, but they do not put them into practice. Here's the important key. Put God's word into practice. It says, their mouths love to speak love. Have you ever been in a time, except maybe the 60s, when we had the, uh, the hippie stuff going on, love man, peak, all that kind of stuff. Some of you don't remember that. Some of you do. But, you know, we still live in a time when even the liberals are telling us, and I don't mean, I'm not talking politics here. I'm talking unbelievers and believers. Unbelievers will say all the time, just love, man. And they're see, I'm seeing, boy, they're some of the most unloving people i ever seen. You know, I try to tell them about Christ, and they'd just soon shoot me if they could. And I, I really, to be honest with you, they probably would. But you know what? That's not changed. Unbelievers have always tried to kill Christians. Goodness grief, God in the flesh, what did he do? He told the truth, told the gospel, we, we crucified him. But I, I love this, it says, indeed to them, listen to this, this is in Ezekiel, indeed to them, you are nothing more than one who sings love songs with a beautiful voice and plays an instrument well. For they hear your words, but they do not put them into practice. Now, saving faith is more than intellectual knowledge, but it is that. Saving faith is more than emotional acknowledgement, but it is that. Let me tell you, there's nothing, I'm not saying there's anything wrong. Actually, it's right. The Spirit of God should be able to move us emotionally in song and in worship. Actually, if you look at the patriarchs through history, all of them worshipped. They built altars. They worshipped the way they could. And they praised God. And that led them to obedience. So don't you dare think, I don't think uh, emotion is important because I do. And the music we listen to is important. Those songs this morning, if you listen to the words, it's how can you not be moved by them? Now, some of us are moved differently. There's some days where I feel like just, oh, could we just sing louder? And there's others when I'm kind of down and I just, I just want to hear you all singing the words. I don't even feel like singing. I hope that isn't wrong. There's sometimes, you know, David, the king, he... He made everybody feel uncomfortable. The ark's coming into the, to Israel and, and he just, he takes off his robes and he goes and he, actually his wife thought he looked like a fool and it says David's wife hated him for it. Let me tell you something, if, you're, if you want to emotionally worship God, you let the Spirit move you. Don't, any, don't ever let anybody hold you back. David never did. He's a man after God's own heart. And you say, well, God, David did this, David did this. Yeah, he did. Just like all of us do things. But he loved his Lord. So two things that saving faith is more than. Two things that we must get right to understand what saving faith is. The object of saving faith is God the Father and God the Son. Through the power of God the Holy Spirit. For Psalms 9.10 says, Those who know your name trust in you, God. Lord, you have never forsaken those who seek you. Let's seek Him every day. 
Jesus answered, I am the way. See, here's the object. He says, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me, John 14, 6. So, friends, the object of everyone's faith determines whether they have saving faith or not. You know, you can be a man and woman of faith all over the country and people are okay with you until you say, I'm a man, I'm a woman of faith that believes the object of my faith is in Jesus Christ alone, in His blood alone, the God that came down to this earth and willingly gave Himself for me and you. And, and I just, I've been a Christian long enough, I don't know how you can't rejoice in that. Until I look at the world we live in, and I'll tell you what, we live in a world that does not want to admit that their sin, as a matter of fact, they want to applaud it at every opening and every corner. That's why if you're a believer here today, you need to thank God that He changed your heart. And He did. So let's look. I'm going to end. Yeah, I got uh, three minutes. We're going to get to Hebrews 11. Now, starting in Hebrews. Now, faith is being sure of what we hope for. Are we sure of this? Doesn't mean sometimes you don't have doubt. But the longer I live, the longer I am absolutely sure that there's a God creator and there's a God son. And let me tell you, God the Father sent His only begotten Son to die on the cross for you and me so that we can have hope for when we die, we will one day be resurrected and live with Him forever. That's my only hope. That's the only hope I got. That's it. So now hope is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Now we see stuff all the time that strengthens our faith. But you know what? It says, this is what the ancients were commended for. By faith we understand the universe was formed at God's command so that it is seen, oh, excuse me, so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. I just talked about that. That's where we start. If you're ever witnessing to someone else, start right there. Start with the Creator. Do you know that God created all this? And if you can't get on that, that level, then you're not going to get it probably anyplace else with Him. So just be praying for Him. But that's what the patriarchs believed. That's what we believe, that everything that's visible was made by a God that we don't see. Then it talks about Abel. We know that Abel's sacrifice were better. Then it goes into Enoch, and it says, by, by faith Enoch was taken from this life. Can you imagine that? This was one of the prophets. This is found in verse 5. I'm going to go through this real fast. But he's walking with God every day. And I, I, it was something I was reading. Uh, a father said, what did you learn in Sunday school today? And she said, oh, Dad, we learned about Enoch. And and the little girl says, what would you learn? Or the dad says, little girl, what would you learn? And he says, oh, God and Enoch were just walking one day, and they went so far that uh, Enoch said, well, God, it's getting dark. I better get home. And, and God said, well, you're too far from home, so you might as well just go home with me. Aren't kids great? Might as well just go home with me. I don't know about you. Now, I don't know where you are in end-time studies, but... Uh, I'm kind of a pre-trib guy. doesn't mean you have to be. That is not an essential. But I do believe in the rapture. And boy, I'd, I'd really kind of like for that to happen before I have to sit in bed and die for two weeks or whatever it is. I don't know how I'm going to go. But I wouldn't mind the rapture, would you? All of a sudden, I'm sitting there. And you know, we need to think about this. All of a sudden, I'm sitting there in my Bible study and God says, go home. And I'm like, yee I'm ready. I know one time in Texas, I'm set, I'm on this big, and I was with my two daughters, little bitty, little bitty things, and I'm up 10 stories high on this water slide at Wet and Wild in Texas. Some of you may know where it's at. 
and all of a sudden this storm's rolling in. If you've ever been in Texas, I wish Roger was here, he could say amen to that. And this big old storm's rolling in, and, and the skies open up, and my wife and all of us, oh, Christ is coming, let's get down that slide. They told us to walk back down, however many stories it was, and I just, me, I, I threw Angie on the slide, she went down, me and my dad, right behind her. I don't know about you, but I'm looking forward to that. But if I die first, I know through faith that I'll be resurrected. You know that very body that they're going to plant beside my daughter out there is going to be resurrected? You know the very body, our very bodies that's planted beside our loved ones, it's going to be resurrected one day. (laughs) Oh boy, that's good stuff there. You don't like that. I I can't, I, I don't know what to do about that. Then in verse 6, and without faith it is impossible to please God. I want to please God, don't you? So let's have some faith in his promises. It comes down to having faith in his promises. Because everyone who comes to him must believe that he exists, once again, and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Is that not cool? He rewards those that earnestly seek him. We live in a world that you say it's just terrible, it's bad. Let me tell you something, brothers and sisters. If you earnestly seek Him, He promises you rewards. And I don't think He just means on the other side. I think He means on this side. But even if you don't get to see all those rewards on this side, you know the Bible talks about rewards all the time. It's okay to live your life and say, Lord, I want to live my life in such a way that I want rewards in heaven. Now, I'd have to do a whole sermon on explaining exactly what that means, maybe for some of you to feel comfortable, but it's a good thing. And you need to know God rewards you when you earnestly seek Him. Then he goes, and here we go to Noah. Noah wasn't much of a a feller in the Bible. He uh, just built an ark. And you know what he did? He said, when warned about things not yet seen, what's that faith? When God came to him and said, guess what? I'm going to flood the earth in 120 years. You best be building you an ark. Noah said, okay, God. He built him an ark. What happened? We have, we said, he, he was a preacher of righteousness through the way he lived and what he said. Now, God gives people a long time. He gave them around 120 years for them to repent. Nobody did. And I'll tell you, this is true of our God, too. As patient as He is, there's a time, Revelation tells us and other things in Scripture, that one of these days, that old door's going to shut on His grace. That's it. That's why knowing saving faith is so important today for all of us. I know you know it in your heart, but we need to know it well enough to when people say, I'm a person of faith, what kind of faith are you talking about? The Jesus that the prosperity preachers preach or the Jesus of the Bible? The Jesus that cults preach or the Jesus of the Bible? So Noah built this ark and... Uh, we know the rest of it. And then in, in, I find it interesting in Romans 11, we go over 400 years before we get to the next person of faith. It's Noah, and then they talk about Abraham. Four, over 400 years between Noah and Abraham. It says, Abraham comes along. When called to go to a place, he would later receive as his inheritance. Look what Noah did. By faith. This is a key word. He obeyed God and went. And this is the way God works. He's worked this way all my life. He told Abraham, pick up and go. But then he didn't tell him where he wanted him to go. Exactly. Now, did Abraham do it perfectly? If you guys have studied Abraham, he didn't do it perfectly. He took more than he should have, and that created some problems. He had some problems later on. You know, God told him, he said, hey, I'm going I'm to have this big nation through you. And you know how old Sarah was? Now, this was Abraham's wife, remember? Okay, some of you ladies, amen this. She was 90 years old. <laughs> 90 years old, and, and Abraham says, you're going to have the baby. <laughs> I don't know about you, but 
If I was 90 years old, I'd be going, you crazy, man. <laughs> no, and, and I think Sarah did kind of have a, that's why I'd love, don't you love scripture, how real it is? Abraham's not perfect, but he has faith in God. Sarah's not perfect, but she had faith in God. And if God said it, it was going to happen, and guess what it did? And then Abraham's walking along, and God finally shows him where he's supposed to go. And It says here of Abraham in verse 10, For he was looking forward to the city with foundations, whose architect and builder is God. See, there's key too. He obeyed, and he obeyed because that's what he was looking forward to. Sarah obeyed because that's what she was looking forward to. If you know anything about Abraham, let me stop there. Do you know Abraham? I'm not putting Abraham down, but you know there was one point in Abraham's walk when they were going from one place to another that they were going through Egypt, and Sarah didn't want to go through Egypt, but all of a sudden they're going through Egypt, and I think it was the king or somebody, I'm forgetting off, off the top of my head, but somebody in power wanted Sarah. She was beautiful. They're going along, and they come in, they say, we're going to take Sarah from you. Mr. And Abraham goes, well, she's not my wife. She's my whatever. So I'm only telling you that because remember, we don't have to be perfect. Our Savior's perfect. See, see, Abraham goofed up there. Let me tell you, if God wouldn't have intervened, we would have had some big problems there. But he did. He intervened. And he gave that leader a dream and said, you best not touch that lady, Sarah. And then the leader calls Abraham in and he says, what have you done to me? Well, yeah, she's my wife. God gets him out of that one. I just love that story. Actually, I like the story of Samson too. And Samson, I'm surprised he's even in this bunch. It says in verse 13, all these people were still living by faith when they died. We look at Abraham again. It says God tested him with Isaac. Do you remember what happened there? That one always gets me. God told him, go up to this hill and sacrifice Isaac. I don't know about you, but I, I, I would have been wow. But do you know what it says about Abraham? Abraham went up there and he said he reasoned to himself that God could raise the dead. He knew that promise was going to come through that son. And even if he had to sacrifice his son, that God had raised him from the dead. Wow. Then we have Isaac. Then we go to Jacob. Jacob. Read Jacob's life. I, I don't have time to go through all these, but read Jacob's life. He was a deceiver, wasn't he? Remember, he deceived, and, and then he ended up having one wife, and then he had another. Boy, all that stuff just got him in trouble. And then it kind of, what goes around, you guys heard this in Scripture, what goes around comes around, and then Joseph, his favorite son, we've been reading about that one. All of his sons deceived Jacob. Well, I don't think that's coincidental. We go through Joseph, what it says about Joseph is, I, I find this odd that we have this much on Joseph, which out of all these people is probably my favorite. And it says about him, when his end was near, he spoke about the exodus of the Israelites. He knew that they would exit from Egypt one day. And he said to the Israelites, don't leave my bones here. He was concerned about his bones because he wanted to be in the promised land. You know, there's a lot to that we could talk about, but find it interesting that's all it talks about. And then in Moses, Moses, I love this in verse 25, it says, He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a short time. We need to learn a lesson from that. Even in America as Christians, there's times when we need to choose Christ over the pleasures of this life. That's what it says here. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. See, it's okay to say, hey, I'm not going to go for the pleasures here. I'm going to sacrifice so I can show someone what it's like to live for Christ, to have a saving faith 
I'm going to show it. I'm going to give up some pleasures here in life for Christ because guess what? I'm looking forward to His reward. Just a couple more. We can look. I want to get to this one because I think it's important. Most of you know the story. This is found in verse 20 of, of chapter 11. The faith uh, that Joshua the general, remember? He, he marches around the walls seven times. The walls fall in. That was Joshua. But it mentions a lady here named Rahab. Just a little bitty patch of story about Rahab. Rahab lived in this, in this city. Now you have to remember from the time Moses crossed the Red Sea until Joshua comes in here, it's been over 40 years. God gave these people in Jericho over 40 years to repent and the only person that was a believer in the whole town was Rahab the prostitute. Don't get me wrong, still a sin, but let me tell you, she lived in a wicked, wicked town. I don't know the rest of the story there. All I know is God puts her name here so we today can rejoice in the faith she had in her God. And what she did is she said, you know what? You spies, Joshua sent in some spies. She said, I'm going to hide you. She risked her life. And then she says to those spies, she said, you'd have to go back in the Old Testament to read this. But she says, I know you. I knew you were coming. I knew you were coming. Forty years ago this happened, and, and the people of Jericho, we were dreading it because we knew you were coming. God promised you this, and you're going to get it. And then he talks about all the, the rest of these guys. Remember Gideon and Samson and David and Samuel, all these prophets and kings. And he talks about how God gave them the strength to conquer kingdoms, to administer justice to gain all these promises, to shut the mouths of lions, to quench, uh, quench, quench the fury of the flames and escape the edge of the sword. talks about all those and God gave them the strength to do those things. I, the reason why I'm not quitting yet is I want to get to the others. And that's found in the middle of verse 35. It says, others, that's where I think we're at today mostly. Because God gave all these judges and all these kings the power to conquer all these things. But look at the others. And it says, the kings, they escaped the sword. But look at what happens to the others. Others were tortured and refused to be released so they might gain a better resurrection. Do you know what that means? They refused. They went ahead and said, go ahead and kill me. Because I believe in a better resurrection. Let's just call it what it is. I believe in heaven. And I believe God the Father and God the Son are going to greet me there. Others were tortured, it says, so that they might gain a better resurrection. Some faced jeering and flogging, while still others were chained and put in prison. Some of them were stoned. Some of them were sawed in two. Some of them were put to death by the sword. Contrast that with the verse up above where it says they escaped the sword. Friends, we know our God's powerful enough. If you get put in a situation, God can make it to where you escape the sword or maybe you're put to the sword. But either is true. And the fact remains the same that we are aliens here. This isn't our home. This isn't the world we look forward to. The one we look forward to is on the other side. So whether I escape the sword today or I die by the sword today, the promises are still true and God's still in control of your life. It says they went around in sheepskins, goatskins, destitute, persecuted, mistreated. And listen to this. I love this. If you, think, if you think for a second you're the only one that doesn't feel right in this world, do not feel alone. All, almost all of us in here, would, would you not agree? I just, 
I just don't feel like I belong at all. Things are getting so silly. And that's a real nice word for the way I feel it's getting. It says, you know, these people wandered in deserts. But it says, these were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised. God had planned something better. This one's good because this is talking about us. God had planned something better for us so that only together with us would they be made perfect. See, he's still calling us into this group. Do you know we could be part of this group? Yes, you and me. These people, all that they listed here were people, flesh and blood, sinners saved by grace just like you and me. Wow. Now that's getting down to the point where we can praise God. You know, saving grace grace comes by Christ. And I know you all know this because it's preached every week, but I love this verse and I'm actually closing with it. Where it says in Matthew eleven twenty eight, God's talking and this is your Christ. He doesn't promise us that we're going to escape the sword. We don't know that we're going to die by the sword. We don't know what kind of sufferings and turbulations He has in store for us. I don't know what kind of pit we're going to be thrown in. But I'll tell you what, He says in the end you're going to escape and we're going to win the war with Him. But He says it this way. Christ says, come to me, all ye who are weary and burdened, I will give you rest. Do, is there any one of us that doesn't need rest? Remember that when we're looking at our TV and we're listening to the news or we're listening to what happened. Just go back and know it's nothing new. It's nothing new. Christ says even for us as believers, just come to me, I'll give you rest. I'm got, I got this under control, I really do. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle. This is God talking here in the flesh. I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. Lord Jesus, I'm just going to close there. I don't know about anyone else in here, but I need rest for my soul because it just gets stirred up anymore. I'll be honest, I'm old. I don't know what to do for you anymore. And you just, lately you've just been telling me, just walk with me. Just, just find some rest. Find some peace. Lord, I pray that for all of us here today. No matter where we are in our life, I pray that we just might rest in you Find peace in you because we believe your promises. We know who wins. But Lord, more than that, right now, as long as we draw a breath, please help us to testify to your saving faith to everyone we meet. Help us to do it in the way we live, in our speech, the way we talk, the way we have a good time, the way we fellowship, the way we have bad time. Please help us to show people saving faith in who we are. In God's name, all His people said,